Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies. Did you know that ISO 13485 has been revised and approved in 2016, and it's going to be published later this month? Yep, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, ISO 1345, that quality management system we all have grown to love is now being updated. And that is why you need to listen to this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast. Hello, this is John Spear, founder and VP of quality and regulatory at GreenLight.Guru. And today I have a special guest, Mark Swanson. Mark was part of the working group that wrote the standard so he knows all the insider details. Oh, and I know this podcast is going to be helpful for you all, but we're also doing a detailed webinar with Mark Swanson on ISO 13485 2016 and all the things that you need to know about as the standard becomes live. And that webinar is going to take place on February the 9th, 2016 at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. So be sure to contact us to learn more and get signed up for that webinar. Hello, this is John Spear, the founder and VP of quality and regulatory at Greenlight.Guru. And welcome to this exciting edition of the Global Medical Device Podcast. You know, folks, we, we managed to find the best people in this industry and bring them to this podcast time after time. And today is no exception. Today we have Mark Swanson. Mark is a freelance consultant with with H&M Consulting Group. You can find Mark's consulting group at hmcg.biz. And with H&M Consulting Group, Mark advises companies in quality management systems and business practices. Specifically, Mark advises quality managers and other senior management in meeting industry standards and regulations for medical devices, as well as general ISO management requirements. Mark! Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast. Thanks, John. I, I love the buildup. It's, uh, it's awesome <laughs> to be with you here today. So Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm glad that you're with us. And of course, we're going to learn a lot about or a little bit about your consulting practice. Uh, I also heard uh, through the grapevine that, that you know a little bit about ISO 13485. Yeah, you heard that a little through the grapevine. Yeah, I've been with the uh, working group uh, Boy, it's been almost four years now that we've been working on the changes coming uh, that are that are hopefully be published here in the next few weeks. That, I mean, that's exciting. So, so catch us up on that. So, if I if I remember the the last thing that I saw is ISO one three four eight five can officially be called uh, the one three four eight five twenty sixteen. I think I saw that's approved and and tell us you know the sort of the next steps to making that an official published standard. Yeah, so the um, the FDIS ballot uh, came back approved on December uh, 29th. The um, next moves to publication are simply addressing the editorial comments that can be addressed, and those actually were sent in yesterday, on Monday, to ISO. Um, now they're going to go through their formal steps of publication, okay. uh, making those uh, editorial changes, and should be just a few weeks before we see the standard being published by ISO. That's that's awesome. So four years. I mean, that that uh, 
that really puts things in perspective. I think the last or the current version of 1345 was published in 2003, yep. and and obviously that that worked just fine and for for companies still works for many companies today. And and so to know that this this next version has been in the works for four years, I mean that's that sounds like a time consuming endeavor. It, it has been time consuming, and 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 our natural conservative nature, I think, sometimes gets the best of us in med device, of course, and. Uh, you know, just trying to move these things through the step. You know, people talk about uh, watching the grass grow. Watch <laughs> talk about uh, you know a standard being put together. Yeah. Well, you know, you and I uh, chatted the other day, and one of the things that that we're certainly going to uh, work with you on and be presenting to to the audience listening today is you're going to do a webinar for us on on some of the specific changes of ISO one three four eight five two thousand sixteen. You bet here as, as everybody kind of gets ready for this, uh, you know, this changeover um, and looking towards, you know, certification to the new version of the standard, I think it's important to have some of the, you know, solid info out there about the changes that are coming and yeah. uh, so that people can get prepared and, and have all of the, you know, detailed information of why we're doing, you know, why what's there is there. All right, so so today what I'd like to do with you is I've, I've got a, I've prepared a couple of questions for you and and you know we're going to stay fairly high level today, but at least give some perspective on what medical device companies can expect in this new version of 1345. Yeah. So so the first question I'm going to throw at you and and it's a bit of a doozy, so uh, <laughs> we'll do our best to 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 get answers to these questions. But the first question is, in your opinion, what is the biggest Single biggest change that medical device companies need to know about ISO one three four eight five two thousand sixteen. Yeah, and and John, you you giggled about this, you know, kind of a doozy. I mean, of course, that's the you know the the million dollar question, right? What's the, what's the biggest change that I have to be concerned about? And uh, you know, it's really difficult to say that there's one specific thing to, to worry about. Um, you know, some of the things that I, I talk about with the people as I as I interface with them is really. Uh, a lot of the change here is moving from things that were implicit to actually being explicit, you know, you know, written down requirements that you can look at and, and touch and see. You know, certainly the expansion, uh, the explicit expansion now that it covers from concept to delivery of the product to the customer. That might be considered a, a huge change for some people that were, you know, once it left their doors, they didn't care about it anymore. Um, those types of things. But uh, supplier... Um, the shift from training to competency, there's a, a myriad of things that you can talk about. Okay. And, and yeah, I think it's safe to say that, that the more explicit nature, I mean, one of the things that I read about, about this new version of 1345 is really, uh, it's, it's been adapting to align, better align with the regulatory expectations. And you mentioned a couple, an example with the supplier controls and I think you know those of us us who've been in this space for for any period of time, especially the past few years, know about the importance of having supplier controls in place. So it sounds like ISO is playing a little bit of catch up. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, that's that's certainly a fair statement. You know, um, the expansion of that what used to be seven section section seven four on purchasing controls to now also include you know supplier selection and monitoring and okay. and those pieces explicitly. Yeah. You know, yeah, and I know you know the, from the FDA side of the world uh, and a regulatory environment, 
contract manufacturers and, and a lot of other suppliers, previously they were sort of off the, the radar screen from, yep. from an F- FDA's perspective, and that's certainly not the case today. And, it, and it's good to see that that's also uh, an expectation uh, that's going to be changing in 1345. Because, you know, those suppliers, contract manufacturers, I mean, that's, that's an important part of the, the medical device puzzle, so to speak. And, and for certain, and, and you, you talk about other geographies like Asia, their biggest concern it has to be about distributors because that's what they see the most of is, the, is you know, medical device distributors. Right. And so distributors are now with, are really within the scope of 1345 and will be expected to have a quality system. All right, good. All right, so let me let me hit the next question, and sure. you know, these all might be doozies. I guess I should have qualified that before we got going. But risk management, I guess you know those two words all by itself. We uh, we've done uh, at the Global Medical Device Podcast. We've done some some uh, podcasts just on that topic alone. But as it relates to thirteen forty five, so help help me understand a little bit why this is so important for medical device companies to understand this topic of risk management and ha- as it applies to 1345. Well, and certainly you see the expansion of risk management and risk-based decision making uh, within, uh, you know, not just med device companies, but all companies, you know, uh, ISO 9001 has directly incorporated risk-based thinking and has a lot of information on risk-based thinking. And, you know, they're just following along with what we've been doing in the med device industry. and. Really, risk-based thinking has been well accepted, whether you're talking about FDA or other um, other competent authorities, other agencies, that uh, risk-based thinking and mitigating risk to levels as low as possible really has uh, been pretty pervasive. You know, even the EN versions of the, the standards recognize that. What this does is it takes it beyond just the product risk and just thinking about product risk, but also how do you incorporate that type of risk-based thinking within your quality management system, within your decision making. When I'm deciding what you know resources to spend on data monitoring and all of the stuff that, does, that happens internally to companies, you know, how do I decide what resources to, to utilize? Well, you can utilize some risk-based thinking and incorporating that and, and uh, applying the resources that are in line with the risk. So higher risk things would have more resources applied and, and all of that type of thinking. So this takes it kind of to that next level, which again, lots of companies have been operating that way. This takes it to that explicit require, you know, outlining those requirements. Sure. And, and I know one of the things that we found with, uh, with greenlight.guru when we, when we rolled out the risk management feature set that aligns with ISO 14971, I mean, we, we find ourselves often in the role of trying to educate the the consumer, I guess, or the medical device professional as to, well, this is what risk management means and this is what the expected behaviors are. And I would imagine in a lot of respects, that's really what's expanded when it comes to risk management and risk-based decision-making process from a QMS perspective and and ISO 13485. That's exactly it. You know, I I think that the, the, the processes, what you've developed with Greenlight, um, talking through the thinking on, you know, how do you make decisions and enabling those decisions and documenting what you, the information that's around that, that's really what the important part is, and certainly your system provides that. Sure, and and I suspect as we start to uh, put together this webinar, Mark, on on the changes in of thirteen forty five two thousand sixteen. 
that you know it probably makes sense for us to to focus i i'm not telling you necessarily what to do you probably already have an idea of mine but yep. I, I would imagine that risk-based decision making process from a qms perspective that that there would be a lot of, of interest in that particular topic by itself there there has been at all every place that i've been everybody's wanting to know about how do you incorporate sure because i mean it's it's change or it's perceived change and and you know we human human nature is we don't like change and and you know we just want to make sure that we're doing the right thing and and the knee-jerk reaction is oh they're making us do all this risk stuff i mean i even heard i don't know if this is a true statistic i guess you can confirm but i heard that the i haven't counted myself the 2003 version of 1345 has something like 54 references to risk or risk management or something like that and that this new version has over 250 references yeah it, i mean it, it certainly is much more prevalent Anytime you work, I mean, because we, I mean, the standard is about quality management systems. Yeah. And now incorporating, you know, risk-based thinking into your quality management system, of course, we're going to have a lot more references than just sure. what we had for product development. Sure. Okay. All right. So, Mark, you've been doing quality management system consulting for, for quite some time. Even before that, I mean, you've worked yeah. in this industry uh, for a while as well. So you've seen the good, the bad, the ugly, I, I suspect, right? Yeah. <laughs> so do you do you think that this shifting to to the the new ISO 1345 2016 do you think this is going to re require a lot of change? I mean, think about your client base in particular. Is this is this new standard going to change the way medical device companies operate, think and, and so on? Well, I think it'll challenge most medical device companies to think beyond just doing the minimum that as you you know, as you incorporate the risk-based thinking that you have to consider some possibilities, some, you know, in, in essence, failure modes and, uh, you know, impacts to your system uh, from a risk-based standpoint that you're going to have to consider from a strategic right. uh, initiative for, in, in your management. And in your, I mean, it'll affect how you do things on a, on a daily basis, in, in essence. So that requires just the, the thing about it is that as I'm even saying that, I'm like, but this is the reason that that's being incorporated is because it's kind of the natural way of thinking. Right. So your natural common sense and, and those types of things and incorporated that in, into what you do within your quality management system. It, it probably is a change, but I think it's a change for the better and will help enhance the use of the, you know, 1345 and the quality management system to enhance business, enhance the product safety and reliability. Right. I, I'm a, I guess I should tell you a little bit about my, I guess, <laughs> educational background. I'm, by degree, I'm a chemical engineer. And I remember one of the courses I took uh, in my chemical engineer uh, engineering studies is controls, systems controls. And I guess fast forward to today, I, I think of myself as kind of a systems guy. But, but I equate you know, this 1345 and a lot of things we do actually from a quality system standpoint to like a controls problem. And I see risk management, uh, if, if you'll uh, pardon my, my analogy here or metaphor, whatever the appropriate term is, but I, I almost see risk management as sort of that feedback loop. Yep. Right. You, you betcha. And that's, and that's really what's, what's happening here. I mean, that's because that's some of the things that I have to, you know, talk to people about. And, and maybe one of the biggest changes as you look at 9001 as well is kind of the shift in auditing and, and the shift in thinking there is that you, you really have to um, see what they intended 
and what they had in place as far as controlling or managing the risk um, that you know in in all of these processes and then you know it's up to them to evaluate whether or not it's effective and they need to do you know more or less with that okay so those are all the things that you have to talk about from a process control stand and, and controlling your processes sure all right so let's let's dive into a couple of other uh, areas just a little bit deeper Let, let's talk sure. a little bit about you know, my personal favorite I don't know if it's yours but my personal favorite is design controls I actually love design control that let's be real I kind of like quality system stuff and I like risk management too but I really love design control so uh, you know I'm, I'm curious 1345 how does this this 2016 version how does that change or what are the the big impact from a design control perspective yeah and I'm gonna talk from a really a quality system standpoint and how you're looking at it um, so one of the things that had to happen with specifically this di design controls, and you saw in, in the design control section of the 2003 version of the standard, it dove down into, you know, five, there was five and, and there might even been a couple places where there were six subdivisions, you know, you know X dot, X dot, X dot, you know, whatever. Um, with this, we've lifted a bunch of those up um, to just be three um the, the third subdivision. The reason for that has to do with auditing and MDSAP um, and the system that's being used there. So despite that, um, so you'll see a, a several of those clauses being lifted out of the weeds, so to speak, and, and brought up some levels. But um, the other really, I think, significant impact on uh, design controls, and we've continued, you know, design inputs and design outputs and all of those pieces. There's some additional details and verification and validation. Um, there's specifically some things you, and you have to think about this a little bit, but we've never had a, a direct requirement that when you were doing a system or subsystem um, that you had it actually connected to what it was going to be connected to in the field. Right. Um, that is explicitly in the next version of 13485 that you have to do verification and validation when it's connected. Right. Uh, which makes a lot of sense. Right. There's a whole, there's a whole new section on design transfer. You know, this is a it had a, a couple of words in outputs before, and now it's, it has its own section in design transfer right. and being able to transfer that design into a manufacturing uh, thing. And I think that's the, again the focus on things like contract manufacturers that you've been talking about that we sure. needed to provide some additional controls. You know, all of these things are in that what used to be section seven three in design controls you know, is, is in that level. And so I think you'll see a lot of, again, moving the movement from implicit requirements and things that were kind of there to explicit requirements that you can understand and implement. Right. And I, I always look at design controls as, as this thing that's a living, breathing thing or process, if you will. Again, I, I'll use that control problem. There's a feedback loop. You know, I, I develop, design and develop my product. I transfer it to, to production. It's in use, uh, by end users, patients, what have you, and then I learn stuff about that, whether that's a complaint or an improvement or what have you, and I want to feed that back into my design controls and verify, validate, and so on and so forth. So I look at my design controls as this living, breathing thing that that's constantly and consistently representing the product as it is at that point in time. Yeah, and certainly that that's been expanded too with the the section on, on control of design and development changes. Sure. Um, also, there's a new section on the actual what we would call a design history file that you have to actually maintain that file for your device type or family right, um, right. you know including the reference and references and you know those records right. so i mean 
all of this is kind of saying, you know, again, the things that have been implicitly there are now explicitly there. Right. Right. So let's talk a little bit about supplier controls. You hinted uh, on that a, a moment ago that, that that's an area of, I, I guess, more explicit details are defined within the 2016 version. So what else would you like to share from a supplier control standpoint? Yeah, the, the big thing there to me is going to be that selection, uh, evaluation and selection. You have to have a process and establish your criteria for evaluation and sele selection of suppliers um, to make sure that organizations implement that. I mean, that you really want to know that your suppliers can meet the requirements of whatever you're asking them to do, whether it's supplying a sub-assembly sub or doing the contract manufacturing or providing a service like consultants. Right, right. So all of that really is covered under that purchasing information. And then, you know, the, the explicit requirements of being able to communicate. Um, there's a requirement to, if, if you can, to get a written agreement that the supplier notify the organization of any changes in the product that they're supplying. Right. So we're trying to make sure that those controls and that flow, that communication flow, is happening as as best we can from within the requirements of the standard. Sure. I mean, I, I know we're uh, probably approaching 20 minutes into our discussion today, and yep. and the thought just occurred to me that that maybe I should have uh, added this at the very beginning. But I know sometimes as I talk to people. There is some confusion about ISO 13485 versus FDA 21 CFR Part 820. And, mm -hmm. and I guess the, the summary here is FDA 21 CFR 820 is for medical devices designed, developed, manufactured, so on in the U.S. Uh, mm -hmm. under the FDA's jurisdiction, whereas ISO 1345 is a little bit broader uh, in its ex uh, use and acceptance. But as I hear you describe... Uh, the changes in this in the 2016 version of 13485, I see now more than ever that there is greater alignment between FDA and ISO with respect to medical device. Well, and again, that was the the big effort here has been in alignment between the regulations and what's been provided in the standard. Whether you're talking about European regulations, FDA regulations, Japan regulations, we I mean obviously had the regulations regulators sitting at the table and asking them, you know, what do we need to bring in and what can we all agree on are, you know, good things to put into the standard. Sure. And, and so there was a lot of effort. That was one of the direct design inputs was that alignment. Right. All right. Good. All right. So now up until, let's say, last year, and I'll use a specific example of like a contract manufacturer, it was pretty common, at least in my world, that a contract manufacturer that was providing uh, services to medical device companies that sometimes if they were ISO certified, sometimes they would carry basically a dual certification. They would be both ISO 9001 certified as well as ISO 13485 certified. And obviously yeah. 9001 changed last year and now 1345 is going to change here in 2016. So up until those changes, those two standards were in pretty good alignment with one another. So do you see that still being the case going forward, or do you see that there's they've kind of parted ways? I do. I was lucky enough to be the liaison from um, the group writing 1345 to the group that did the writing of 9001. And there was considerable effort to ensure that there was, A, above and beyond everything, that there was no conflicts. Um, and that is true. There, there is no conflicts. There's no competing requirements uh, between the two standards. So you can rest assured on that standpoint. And, and then B, 
that both 9001 and 1345, you know, call, I mean, you can use the metaphor of hooks, they had the right hooks or connections there that, that we could hang uh, additional requirements off of or whatever ne was necessary within the regulated environment that, um, to, to basically be consistent. Okay, good. Um, and so I see them as still being consistent in what their requirements are, what the true the true requirements are. Um, to me, that it's the the organization of the thing is is immaterial. And you know, obviously, nine thousand one has the new high level structure that's being dictated by ISO, and thirteen forty five very early in the in the process had applied for an exemption from from that from ISO and and received the approval from the technical management board for that exemption because. The way that our system is organized and the regulators are organized, it would be very difficult for them to change the structure at this standpoint. Right. Um, just as an aside, I, mean, I, I per perceive that to be in discussion over the next few years on how that, how that transition can be made uh, to the new high-level structure. Um, obviously, it didn't happen with this revision, but I don't think there's any conflicts. There, yes, there's a difference in structure, but the requirements are not conflicting and, and actually enhance one another. All right, that's good. That's good to know. I'll be sure to share that with, with all my contract manufacturing friends. So the yep. last, last, I guess, question that I have for today, I mean, of course, this new standard, 2016, everyone who's already ISO certified is probably saying, okay, well, what does that mean? I have an ISO audit coming up uh, in March. Does that mean I have to convert to the 2016 version? What's the timeline for adoption? So can you shed a little bit of light on, on timeline sorts of questions? I, we had, a, obviously, a lot of discussion within the working group, and I actually drafted a, several pieces of the, the transition. Um, it's very similar to what 9001's transition looks like. Um, it's outli basically outlined as a three-year transition. Uh, so three years after publication, the 2003 version will be withdrawn and you wouldn't be able to get certified to that. Um, as we move through this implementation, um, we'll, we'll start seeing the certification bodies, notified bodies that will be able to audit to the, to, to the new version. Um, probably within the first year, you'll be creating those transition plans. In year two, you'll probably be actually doing that transition to the next version. By the end of the second year, there will be no new certifications or recertifications done to um, the, the old version, uh, but it'll all be done to the new version at, at year two. And so that year two, we'll see you know certifications to the version would expire, and you'll have to be on the 2016 version. Okay, that's very helpful. All right, so, so I hope that's enough detail I mean, because <laughs> yeah. I, because I wrote a bunch of it. Like I said, I I get a bunch of the detail there. Yeah. And sometimes it's too detailed for people, but basically it's a three-year transition with some timelines along the way. All right, so so Mark, I appreciate you being a part of the Global Medical Device Podcast today. Why don't you let everybody know the best way to get a hold of you? Because I'm sure our audience is going to have questions and comments and hey, what better source than to get a hold of Mark Swanson from H&M Consulting Group to learn what you need to do to get your quality system up to speed. How can people get a hold of you? The very best way is by email. I'm Mark, M-A-R-K, at hmcg.biz. It's H&M Consulting Group. Um, you can always call me on my cell phone and I, I don't hesitate at all to give my cell phone number out. 763-234- 0727. Again, that's 
234-0727. All right. Well, again, Mark, thank you. And be sure to check out Mark's company, hmcg.biz, B-I-Z, H&M Consulting Group. Mark and I are going to do a webinar here very soon. We're going to go into a little bit more depth on these topics that, that we hit on today and some of the changes that you can expect with ISO 13485-2016. This is John Spear, and I'm the founder and VP of Quality and Regulatory at Greenlight.Guru. Greenlight.Guru, we have some awesome software that's going to make your life easier, especially as you put that quality system in place. Uh, check us out. Greenlight.guru. Yes, that is the domain. Be sure to, to t take the product tour on our website. And if you want a demo, just click that little button, request a demo, and our team will make that happen for you. Great. Thanks, John. All right. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you next time on the Global Medical Device Podcast.